before COVID-19, I a data that shows 128 million tons of milk have been dumped all around the world. After COVID-19, the number increased drastically, 2.3 million tons. Not only are we saving food waste, but we are giving it a new life, a new purpose that can help fashion companies, help textile companies to replace their petroleum chemicals in the process. Welcome to another episode of Who's Saving the Planet? I am host Tony Noda with me as always in a newly reopened New York, phase two, Lex Kiefhaber. Tony, I guess it's phase two. We haven't been out yet and uh, explored any of the city, but we've heard tell it is indeed possible. I heard tell too. Yeah, I mean, I hope all is well in New York. We're still Zooming. We're Zooming with each other and we're still coming out with these episodes. Zooming, brilliant minds in the sustainability industry. Absolutely, so. and our little team and family has gotten a little bit bigger, so it must be summertime because we have our first ever 2020 summer intern cohort up yeah. and on boarded, Google Docs and Slack channel included. That if you are curious, go to the website. Everyone's got their bio up. Love them, they're so Really, great. really smart team. We have our own little uh, Justice League going. It's, Indeed. It's cool. So much cool stuff coming up for the next 10 weeks. So everybody stay tuned. We're going to have bells and whistles you wouldn't believe. And this week, we're featuring a very, very interesting company. may sound very peculiar, but I encourage people to keep an open mind because it sounds strange as hell, but we promise you it's really cool. We will never fail to bring you a weird, interesting story. If there's one promise that we have, it's who's changing the world, but perhaps not in the way that you anticipated. I never imagined this. So today's (laughs) guest... Today's guest is Robert Luo, the CEO and founder of MeTero. That's M-I-T-E-R-R-O. What does MeTero do? They take, they extract protein from unused cattle milk and they make clothes out of it. So I've been thinking about this pun for since we started. (laughs) Okay, great. Get a whole new take on string cheese. No? All right. I actually, if I was a little drunk, I'd probably laugh harder, but that was actually pretty good. That's pretty good. That's the level we're working at. So yeah, Mutaro, they have figured out a way to create a circular lifestyle for, excuse me, circular economy for something that was otherwise completely useless, which is spoiled milk. So dairy farmers have excess milk. If you've listened to the episode with the five acre farms or food maven, you know, this is a really big problem where these farmers cannot move all the product they have. So it literally gets dumped out. And so they invented a process that takes the milk, breaks it down to its uh, organic protein structure, and then repurposes that protein structure to a lot of usable materials. The first one they've come out with is a t-shirt to basically prove that this is viable, to prove that the cloth is the cloth is both economical and comfortable, that people like it. But they can use this technology to really uh, a whole slew of applications. Yeah, because it's not just clothes that Mr. Luo is looking to do. He wants to make, he held out, he held up a film. Yeah, and he like was like, cellophane. this is, yeah, this is made out of uh, proteins extracted from 
the milk. And he was like, this could be used to cover yogurt instead yeah. of throwing plastic into the oceans and the, and the landfills. I mean, it's, it's just a safer, biodegradable, sustainable yeah. way to package the yogurt. Milk on milk. Thing, I guess, yeah. It's like turtles all the way down. Yeah. So this is the beginning of what could be a, a really sea change in terms of how we are able to use our packaging. We are thinking about what kind of clothing is made, how it's made, what it's made from. It could be really exciting. Let's get to it. All right, here we go. Robert, welcome to Who's Saving the Planet. Thank you for having me, Tony. Yeah, no problem. And Lex, um, I get to be here too. No one ever here. remembers me. Robert, <laughs> we're so glad to have you on board. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Now, Robert, Lex is in Brooklyn. I'm currently in Utah. For the listeners at home, tell us where you are. What's life like around you right now? I'm in Los Angeles, and I think the city is starting to open up, but restaurants are still very cautious. And I'm a gym goer. So not yeah. having been with three and a half months was painful. And now we're <laughs> starting to open up. Thank God I can go back again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I know you've been jogging around, Lex. Um, I have been dying to go back to the gym and my wife won't let me. <laughs> she's like, well, that's she's a smart and sensible she, woman. She's the brains of the outfit. So, uh, but I want to start off in this conversation. I want to talk a little bit about this week. This is a big week. For you and me, Tarot, you're currently in Los Angeles, but you're launching in China. Now, were you, how did that deal come about in the past few months? I mean, that's the most uh, timely aspect of me, Tarot, right now. Now, were you traveling there or were you doing everything virtually? Like, give us an idea as to how this company set up this, this partnership in China. Absolutely. So we've been working very hard for the past couple months to expand our footprint in, in Asia, not just in China, but also in Japan. We have a launch in both China and Japan already. And I have a team that uh, works in China. We have an R&D facility in Shanghai. And my co-founder is in Shanghai right now doing all the, the tech work. So we've been looking for collaboration with local brands, a, a big brand, to help us expose our brand to the Chinese consumers. And we were featured on China Central Television, which broadcasts to 1 billion viewers worldwide. So that really helped us to have initial uh, sense of momentum and build a brand image. In oh, okay. Say a billion viewers worldwide? Right. Uh, CCTV, the Chinese yeah. television. Well, listen, Holy cow. the Who's Saving the Planet podcast is going to put you over the top. So it's good that you had, it's good that you, you seeded the market here, but now we can really turn the gas on. Another Maybe you guys could help us go over the top. Hey, <laughs> um, get on that TV show. So that is tremendously exciting, but we shouldn't put the cart before the proverbial cow. Can you give us a really quick breakdown on what Mitero is and what you guys do? So Mitero is a biotech that rescues and re-engineer food waste into sustainable fibers and polymers that can replace plastic in fashion, medical, and packaging industries. And I can show you the product that we have. So this is a fiber made from spoiled and expired milk. So for everyone who's listening in, it kind of looks like uh, if you were to collect a, a sheep's wool, like the, it's very fluffy and it looks and it appears to be, you know, it's white. It looks very pure. Uh, it looks like wool, you know, it looks sort of like, like anything else that you would uh, 
spin or, or have spun or weave or what have you into fabric. And so right. you collect that from excess or spoiled milk and then refabricate it into a fibrous material that can be used to make a lot of things. Is that about right? Correct. It can be made into t-shirt underwear, like the one you can see on our website right now. It can mm -hmm. also be made into textile product, um, bed sheets, pillow sheets, and also face masks, which will be potentially a next big fashion trend. Yeah. <laughs> it is the world we're living in. It kind of so looks a little like spider webs. Like that's the impression that I got. It's almost like creating a spider silk out of the extracted protein, correct? Right. So tell us a little bit then, we always like to start with this format of, of the problem that you first identified to say, this is a huge issue in the world. And then the solution I think you've just described, but we'll touch on that first. But tell us about the problem that, that, drove, that drew you into this business originally. It actually all began when I visited my uncle's dairy farm in China in 2018. And when I was there, I was shocked by the smell of the spoiled milk sitting in his farm. But not only does it smell really horrible, but those were money to my uncle. So he was kind of challenging me to help him find a solution in which turned spoiled milk into something that he could sell. So then after I came back to the States, I spoke with my childhood friend, Daniel, who's the CTO of my, of my company, Mitero. And we started to look into what protein property inside milk that we can use to create into a product, perhaps something that I can wear. And we found out that milk has amino acids and it's great for people that have skin allergy when you wear it. So we thought, why not turn uh, the casein protein that has amino acids into fiber that people can wear? That's when we start developing technology. So it sounds easy when you put it like that, but how hard is it to actually develop the, the tech? I mean, first of all, has anyone done this before? Did you invent this? Is, is there a patent that you've created so that you can defend this like tell, tell us a little bit about the process absolutely so when we run our research we found out that the first type of milk fiber was created 1930 in germany at the time it was really expensive and they blend casein protein with acrylic which is a petroleum-based material so not only was it costly now it was timely but also it was not eco-friendly yeah we took the initial process of how they extract casein protein and we created on top of that the process that involves zero petroleum chemical. So our final product is biodegradable and we spent about a year, a year and a half for this initial technology. And in fact, we believe that we're the only company in the world that turns spoiled milk into fiber. So first of all, that sounds fantastic. Um, yeah. I got to kick the tires a little bit because we hear a lot of technologies that are doing something wonderful like that, but it takes a lot of energy or water to make that transformation happen. So is yours something that, does it take a lot of other types of energy to make that happen? Or are you actually, uh, have you created a way to make it uh, overall net positive? So our process of creating the milk fiber requires 60% less water compared to organic cotton. And not to mention the fact that we were taking food waste, only food waste, not fresh milk, fresh dairy product. That could have gone to landfill, polluting our environment or be burned for methane, which is a huge pollutant yeah. uh, pollution, right? So not only are we saving food waste, but we are giving it a new life, a new purpose that can help fashion companies, help textile companies to replace their petroleum chemicals in the process. So it's food other than milk waste. See, I didn't know that. What else are we using here? So potentially our technology can also use on soy, you know, tofu, uh -huh. soy milk, these type mm. of products. And are the clothes edible? 
Like, that, that was my first question. Like, could I, would what I really be, do with be you, able Tony? to technically eat Are a you that hungry? Can we, can we, can I'm we always drop you a protein bar, buddy? <laughs> Salivating all the time. Like, we don't suggest you to eat it, and we take no responsibility. <laughs> That's good. Got to watch out for the Tonys in the world. Just be munching yeah, on a polo. <laughs> yeah. So here's the problem then. The problem is there's tons of excess dairy that's going to waste in all, in all of these remarkably inefficient ways. And you've come in and said, I've developed a technology to turn that dairy into something useful. Tell us a little bit about the solution then that you've developed, not just the technology, which we're going to definitely dig into, but what is the first product that you've created and why did you create that? So like when I mentioned, we found out that amino acids can be spun into fiber and we initially knit the fiber into t-shirt that we are selling on our website t-shirt and boxer is very very comfortable in fact our customer came back and told us that they will wear our t-shirt as their pj to sleep so that demonstrates the breathability and the softness of the fabric when they wear it are you wearing a mitero shirt right now is that something from the company not right now because in the in the washer right now okay <laughs> <we're wearing> <laughs> That's a good point. If they're biodegradable, can you wash these shirts and will they break down over time or do they yeah. hold up? It, they will not break down normally um, unless you go extremely high heat, which is not a standard practice when you just do daily laundry. Yeah, that's a good point. I get yelled at for putting clothes on high heat and, you know, most of the stuff you have to like dry cool anyway. Often we run into this, uh, this moment when we're speaking to someone and like, that sounds so easy and so simple and so perfect where you have someone giving you raw materials for free, I would imagine, or they're even paying you to take this excess product off of their hands because otherwise they would have to destroy it. And you found a way to fashion it using less water and less energy into something useful. So why isn't this already the biggest business in the world? And what are you going to do to get it there? Right. I mean, the technology itself is difficult to invent in the first place. Okay. And second of all, we have to collect all these milk waste. That means we have to dig deep into the entire supply chain. And normally, people don't want to be involved in supply chain because it's complicated, it's costly, and it's timely. But I think that in order to solve this problem fundamentally, we have to look into the supply chain. Mm -hmm. So first of all, um, let's talk about the technology. It's not as easy as it, it sounds. For sure. It doesn't sound easy, just so you know. I've never looked at a glass <laughs> of milk and said, this is going to be my socks. So <laughs> Basically, so you... there are three steps, and each has a patent-pending process. First, okay. uh, we developed a process called PROAC, which means protein activation, in which we extract these bacteria-grown casein protein from spoil or expired milk that are inedible for human or for animals. And once we have these so-called bad casein, then we have to purify it to make sure it's good again. And that process is called Siri, self-assembly purification. And once we have the good casein, theoretically, it can be made into food again. That can help people that are in need, hungry people. But we don't want to stop there. So we created a third process called DFS, dynamic flow shear spinning, in which we spin the casein protein into the fiber that I just showed you. So wow. once ready, it can be used for, let's say, t-shirt, underwear, um, yeah. bed sheets, pillow sheet that you might even wear or purchase in the future. When you were in the testing phase, what did you do to get all this spoiled milk? Did you go to your uncle and be like, hey, send everything my way? Or did you go to supermarkets and be like, don't throw out your milk. We could use it. We're, we're, we're doing a, a lab experiment. We're going to make clothes out of it. Like, how did you go about that? 
The shirts that you see on our website right now actually all came from my uncle's dairy farm, all this spoiled milk. That Where's the dairy farm? Qinghai in the northern part of China. That's right, 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 okay. And then now having a more commercialized um, approach, we want to move our supply chain to the U.S. in which we want to extract and spin the fiber locally close to those milk productions. So I actually have a guy for you to talk to. He was uh, featured on last week's episode called the Milk Marketing King of the Northeast that <laughs> deals with specifically dairy farms and this huge problem that they have, which is it's hard for them to sell milk and make money. So if they could sell their excess milk to you and you buy it, this could be a way to both help these local farmers and provide you access to the, the raw material that you need. Right. That is very true, especially nowadays under COVID-19 situation. I read an article that says every single day, 2.3 million tons of milk are being dumped. That's a huge number. It's crazy. The thing you held up a couple of times, the what looks sort of like um, a loofah, a very, a very gentle, nice loofah um, spun of milk. How does that compare to other materials that are commonly used right now to make these t-shirts? So is it cheaper than cotton? Is, it, is, is there a way to make it cheaper than cotton? Yes. So with the second version of our fiber that we are developing right now, it will be cheaper than Model and organic cotton and field. And in terms of the sensation, the property, like what I mentioned, milk itself naturally has amino acids and they are good for people that have skin allergy. Even, even if you, look, you don't, you still feel the softness of it when you wear it and you, you don't want to ever take it off. It also has moisture wicking and antibacterial property. It's great for your casual wear, for your sleepwear, or even if you go outdoor, you can still wear it. So what's the downside? The downside is that um, it's still not the cheapest in the industry. If you were to, let's say, go to extreme sport, outdoor sport, then I would say petroleum-based chemicals is still the best solution, unfortunately. Uh, cotton is still a little bit cheaper to do this, or the petroleum-based, the acrylics and the lycras and the polyester, that's still cheaper to manufacture right now. Right. Conventional cotton, uh, petroleum-based material is still the cheapest, unfortunately. So, okay, let's talk about that then. How are you going to crack what is one of the most competitive marketing fields in the entire world, which is the fashion industry? How are you, what is your strategy to peel away those customers and get them to buy the Mitero products? So we are taking from a B2C approach to a B2B approach. We are partnering with big fashion brands, be a supplier of their supply chain rather than building our own brand and starting everything from zero. We want to make sure that our influence goes beyond being a marketing agency and say, hey, we're so great, we're just running ads. Not like that. Yeah. And we've been in contact with several big um, names that you know. I'm not going to name them. I should have named them. Uh, right well, I, I saw on your, news, on your Robert. website. Well, I saw on your website there was a number I of. I mean, you can go on our website if you're interested, uh, but I'm not going to name them in podcasts. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay, okay fair enough. Issues. But well, we you, you can. And I'll just say there's two brands that struck my eye because rarely do you see a company partnering with two very household named brands, one who makes yogurt and the other who makes running shoes. Right. It would be a rare Venn diagram where those two companies overlap, which is pretty cool. It's, it's a weird combination in, in the normal sense that you wouldn't think a food company or a fashion company can go hand in hand. But that's yeah. the bridge we try to build, right? turning your food into something that fashion packaging or even medical industries can use. So how many, how much food is actually being wasted and how much are you saving? Like how many buckets were, were there that were just being thrown away on your uncle's farm? 
Well, before COVID-19, I a data that shows 128 million tons of milk are being dumped all around the world. And in 2019, the, and after COVID-19, the number increased drastically. I mentioned 2.3 million tons that I read. Um, so, so the number will continue to increase. And also, the, actually, the dairy con consumption all around the world is increasing. In the past decade, the, pr uh, the production of cheese and yogurt increased five folds. People are wow. buying more dairy, believe it or not. Less fluid milk, but more dairy products. So that means this problem will continue to grow as people are consuming more. Is that similar to like if I buy a North Face jacket or something and it's made by Gore-Tex? And Gore-Tex is a material that's patent processed or patent protected, made by a different company. Do you want to be the the Gore-Tex of milk shirts or milk fabric? We don't want to become a, just be a milk fabric, and we don't want to think as a milk brand. Essentially, milk is just the beginning. We mm. are, we want to turn any type of food or protein-based food waste into sustainable byproduct that most other industries can use. And Gore-Tex will be a great example. Another example that I often give will be benzene and DuPont. Like they're, they're the biggest um, cellulose and petroleum-based material, household names. That's one we want to become, a household name in protein-based materials. And I guess the next step, uh, I read somewhere, uh, I did a little bit of research, uh, biodegradable food packaging. Uh, oh, yeah. is, that the, is that the very next step or is that like, five, 10 years down the line. That is the step that has happened already. Let me show you the prototype. Uh -huh. It's a prototype and guess what this is made of. Well, hold on, just so everyone can, <laughs> this is not, a, this is a podcast. So you are holding up what looks like a, a piece of cellophane. It's like uh, like the plastic wrap that's completely clear, translucent. You can yeah, see it. Yeah, it looks like it. saran wrap. It just looks like a piece of saran wrap plastic, exactly. So What's this, it made out of? I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a wild one out here. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with milk. Acid weight is the byproduct of cheese and yogurt production. Ah. It's a byproduct of cheese and yogurt production. Yes. So and it's something that's already being produced and thrown away and you found any use for it. Correct. That's Correct. cool. Correct. And you couldn't just dump acid weight into water stream because acid weight actually forms a clot. So when you dump in water stream, it blocks the oxygen underneath the water and that kills marine animals. And that wouldn't be ideal. <laughs> Never a good idea. Never yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, um, so then, go ahead, Lex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. You consider yourself more of a fashion company, or a technology company, or a, a chemical industry company? Some hybrid of all. I would say that we are biotech at the core. We want biotech. To our technology. Yeah, and so the fashion is the way that you've been able to market what is what could be one use case for this, but really just as, as more of like a branding or a marketing opportunity and less of like what your real business expansion plan is. Right. I mean, we began with the B2C approach just to validate the market, to show consumers, to show investors, to show journalists that people would like our product. And once we have a good traction from there, that's when we understand, hey, hey, we need to supply our technology to multiple yeah. companies, industry, all around the world. Yeah. Well, we only have a few minutes left, but I, I want to make sure I get this question in because I think it's important. Trying to solve a major problem, uh, complicated technology, but you being the bright guy that you are, simplified it for us and our listeners. It needs a lot of money to make sure that this stuff goes into production. 
how much money does Mitero need? Are you on the funding trail? And, and what's that process like right now? Because I know VCs can be very fickle with this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. We are raising 700K to develop our packaging film, which really have early interest from several big food companies that you guys have mentioned earlier. They, those cheese, yogurt, whatever you name it, they have interest. So we want to develop that. Yeah, I imagine this would be a great place to get strategic partnerships with the companies that could benefit from this technology instead of just traditional VCs that I'm sure would be interested in this biotech is obviously a, a very hot place to invest. Let me ask the correlated question to that then, which would be, if that's the path to success, what do you think your biggest challenge or your biggest threat is? Not having enough supply to, to meet demand. I thought mm -hmm. you said the world's making more milk and dairy every year. So you're actually worried that there's not going to be enough? Right, because the sourcing part actually is the most difficult part. It's not huh. the creating part, but the sourcing. That's why there's food waste. There has been so much, so many solutions, but there's not one big, big one that can solve it all. Because sourcing is so difficult. It can happen on consumer level, retail level, even farm levels. Yeah. Listen for everyone who's chiming in here. Check out our Food Maven and our Five Acre Farms episodes that deal exactly with this the sourcing issues of that and we'd love to yeah. put you in touch with them because they they're having to find out ways to dispose of food that's being unsold and they're doing it in a very creative way but i think there's a lot of people working on this space from different angles and it's so cool to see what what could happen if everyone comes together and you really start solving this supply chain issue in a in a novel and creative way yes and hopefully this wouldn't be just us just like the plant-based community right now is growing bigger with different companies. And we hope that our work inspire others to join in. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm smelling a, I'm smelling a panel down the line, Lex. I think between Robert and Amanda from Velez, remember Velez? Of course. And Food Maven and uh, the Milk King. Uh, we, we got a couple, <laughs> we can really uh, put a dent in this. All right. Hey, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time and, and teaching us about this really really cool and interesting solution i feel like five years from now it's going to be crazy to think that we have plastic that's not made from things that are sustainable and biodegradable and a better upcycling or repurposing of the products that we already have in our world absolutely well thank you for having me to share my story yeah absolutely like lex said i just want to reiterate thanks for coming on the show we really appreciate it absolutely anytime <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good way to end the show. Here we go. That was our interview with Mitero. Yeah, the noise. We got a we got a new puppy, and uh, the noise volume in this house has just gone up. I like that though. It's got a sense of finality to it. You know, we are done for the episode. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Who's Saving the Planet. That was fun. I'm gonna go out and get some cheese clothes and milk sweatshirts. Who knows yeah. what, what we can get in the future? For the football fans out there, we've already suggested that they become the official clothing option for the Green Bay Packers, famously known as the Cheese Heads. So there's them. a lot of synthesis here. Really good opportunities. Perfect sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, amazing. Um, All right. Yeah. We'll catch up with everybody on Friday. Tune back in for another context episode. And then next week, again, we have more people in the fashion industry doing a little double up here. And then we're going to follow that up with some written content on the website. And so we're moving and grooving. Love to bring yes. you along. And be sure to follow us on Instagram 
at Who's Saving the Planet, where we will be spotlighting apparel companies that are sustainable and have an eco-friendly mission, just like Me Taro. And Absolutely. so if you're interested in, in changing up your wardrobe and living responsibly with, uh, you know, a company that doesn't destroy the, the planet, we'll, we'll point you in the right direction. We got you. All right. Cheers. Cheers.